Hello, and welcome to Driving Change with me, Steve Goldstein. It's hard to get people to agree on anything, but the one subject that everyone agrees with is their universal hate of meetings. It happened to me the other day coming out of a two-hour meeting with the leadership of a company where absolutely nothing was resolved. I told the CEO we need to spend 30 minutes together to get this back on track. He apologetically then showed me his calendar for the next week and said, look at this, I have no time to do anything. Unfortunately, meetings have become a way of life and a substantial portion of everyone's time is spent in meetings. Here are some characteristics that I feel describe meetings today. See if they sound familiar to you. Little gets resolved or accomplished, most often resulting in a follow-up meeting. Meetings can take on a life of their own. Anyone can call one at any time. Attendance is generally open and almost anyone can be invited. People often arrive late and are unprepared for the meeting. Interestingly, no one seems to be in charge of a meeting. People are often rude in meetings, reading their email, texting, on their computer, theoretically doing work, but actually ordering something from Amazon. And last, and maybe most important, no decisions are made. That, in a nutshell, is how I think meetings work today. If you're listening to the show for the first time, thank you for spending time with us. And if you're coming back, welcome, and I really appreciate your continued interest. Make sure to visit my website, stephendgoldstein.com, to learn more about how you can drive change. As I was writing my book and interviewing CEOs, they told me one of the reasons they could not spend enough time engaging with their customers and employees is that they had no bandwidth. And the reason was because they were always in meetings. I found this really interesting because they, they, there was a level of acceptance by these CEOs that they were a prisoner of their own company. I then explained to them that I had created a meetings model to totally change that process and their eyes opened wide as if I had solved world peace and hunger. I thought about meetings the same way leaders think about any other broken business process. You analyze it, get a lot of facts, you talk to a lot of different people, you come up with initial hypotheses, you do a lot of other things, and then you come up with a set of conclusions which you can then go implement. Somehow, the topic of meetings has never gone through this process. So I decided that if leaders really needed to find the time to spend with their employees and their customers, we had to eliminate the excuse that they had no bandwidth. We had to find a way to fundamentally change the meetings model so that they could have the time to actually do their jobs. Here are the basic elements of the meetings model. The length of the meeting. I strongly feel that meetings don't need to be more than 30 minutes, as you really don't need more than that to be effective if you're prepared. I think we're often victims of the Outlook calendar grid, where when you set up a meeting, it automatically puts in 60 minutes. The fact of the matter is that so much of the meeting is spent with non-meeting related items. Things like, how was your weekend? A lot of social chit chat. This is not a Starbucks. This is a business operation where you should be intensely focused on the meeting at hand. 
In fact, I've been in companies where they have what's called stand-up meetings where there are no chairs. People come in, they state their business, and the meeting's over in 15 minutes, and then they go back. It's actually quite extraordinary to watch. One important thing is try keeping your meetings to no longer than 30 minutes. The second item is attendees. It's quite striking to me that I'll be in a meeting and I'll see three or four people from the same department at a meeting of 12 to 15 people. Why does that have to be the case? Why can't the department have one person represent the department and feed back to their colleagues what they learned at the meeting afterwards? Tying four people up from one department is a huge waste of resources. And of course, when you're in a meeting, it's a little uncomfortable to not speak, so everybody feels a need to speak. And the next thing you know, the meeting lasts 60 minutes. So I think be very focused on who attends the meeting. The third is having an agenda. I would say that more than 90% of the meetings I attend do not have agendas, which in and of itself is quite amazing. What do you expect to accomplish if you don't tell people in advance what the purpose of the meeting is? Is it to share information? Is it to make a decision? Is it to review a presentation? There's a lot of different purposes of a meeting, but often it's a secret to the people attending the meeting. So whoever asks for the meeting should send out an agenda. It doesn't have to be long. In fact, it shouldn't be long. And importantly, that person should also send out some reading materials that people can familiarize themselves with before the meeting. Meetings is not like going to a church, temple, or mosque where people read together aloud. Often the concept is, let me take you through the deck, which is a PowerPoint presentation. Okay, I can read the PowerPoint presentation myself. I don't need you to read it to me. That's one of the reasons why the meetings take so long. The next point is drive for a conclusion. This comes back to the agenda in terms of what is the purpose of the meeting. The corollary to that is what was accomplished. Unfortunately, what's often most accomplished is people realize they've run out of time, they're packing their stuff up, and the logical next step is we need to schedule another meeting. That initial meeting can spawn six meetings or nine meetings with the same cast of characters, ultimately not accomplishing anything other than wasting people's time. So make sure you have in the agenda what the purpose of the meeting is, and whoever is, whoever called for the meeting should be really driving to get to that conclusion. The next point is a little uncomfortable for a lot of people, but it's really important. You need to encourage everyone to put away their phones and laptops. If the meeting is important, it requires people's full concentration. Unfortunately, most people keep their phones out, keep their laptops out. Some, some justify it as they need this information for the meeting, which is typically not the case. Some people get into these contortions where they have the phone under the table and they're looking at the person speaking with one eye and their other eyes on the phone, or they're typing without looking at their screen. All of this is a distraction, and I think it really impedes a robust discussion in the meeting and, most importantly, getting to a strong conclusion. I think it's also very important to make sure the meeting ends on time. I see so many times when an hour's meeting gets to about 55 minutes and everybody realizes nothing's been accomplished, but they have to go to another meeting most often. So they start packing up all their stuff and they're shuffling in their chairs and they're getting ready to walk out of the meeting because they have to go to another meeting. But the purpose of this meeting was never accomplished. 
So it, it's really a colossal waste of time. In my book, I describe all of these pointers in great detail. And in addition, I've created a meetings model where the leadership team on a rotating basis appoints a meeting czar, normally in a two-week rotation. And that person's job is basically to, as most czars are, to be in charge of everything related to the meetings. This person is the checkpoint. Everything goes through this person. And this person makes sure that all of the things and others that I just described are run properly. The reason it's a, it's a rotating two-week job is nobody would want this job as a permanent job. And frankly, if it was a permanent job, I don't think anybody would take the person seriously. By having this on a rotating basis, leaders actually see all the pitfalls of what happens in meetings, and they want to make sure that under their watch, as the meetings are, things improve. It also creates much better teamwork because everybody realizes what a breakthrough this is in taking meetings to a whole different level and actually not only creating a lot of capacity and bandwidth, but actually improving the basic operation of the company. Again, you're listening to Driving Change. To learn more about me, Steve Goldstein, and the show, please visit me online at stephendgoldstein.com. Just remember this. You do not have to be a prisoner of meetings. You can change the way you operate meetings the same way you've successfully changed every other part of your business. Unfortunately, we've gotten so accustomed to accepting bad meetings as a way of life that we've forgotten that we should use the basic tools we have to run every other facet of our business and turn that onto meetings. I promise you, you will love this and find that you have so much more time that you can better spend engaging with your employees and customers. Thanks for listening, and I hope you see how valuable looking at meetings is and something you should focus on to create capacity, drive change, make decisions, and get results. By the way, everyone in your organization will thank you. Make sure to visit my website for more information on my show, stephendgoldstein.com, as well as tons of other leadership and information and tools free on my blog.